0: listening to the Keefe to the City podcast.
1: Alright, at the end of spring training, the offseason has finally come to an end and opening day is upon us as the Yankees... Open things for the 2016 season at home on Monday, Masahiro Tanaka against Dallas Keuchel and the Astros, the same way last season ended in the one-game playoff is the way this season will begin. And joining me today to talk Yankees baseball is Chad Jennings of the Journal News, of uh, the Low Hood Yankees blog as well. You can follow him on Twitter, at Low Yankees. Chad, how's it going today? Good, good. I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong for the Yankees with that opening day matchup. <laughs> well, I know we uh, had a delay to start this because uh, CC Sabathia got named the fifth starter after a competition that really I-, I felt like never existed even though they let it drag on as long as they did with, you know, just three days to go till opening day. But it sort of reminds me about uh, last week where A-Rod announced that, you know, at the end of his contract when he'll be 42 years old, he'll retire. And people sort of took that as um, somewhat of a shock or breaking news that a 42-year-old DH yeah. with no options uh, would want to not play baseball <laughs> anymore. So it's this sort of news seems to be right up that alley where people are announcing that CC's named the fifth starter but I mean the guys owed 25 million he knows he's owed that again next year if they don't buy him out at 5 million. Uh so I, it just seems like this is not really news because it was never really a competition to begin with. Yeah, you
0: know I mean I, I think that's true. Um, I also I think, think though if if there were another option up it, it might have been a real competition. You know, I mean, look, it's not, either Nova is not David Price. You know, I mean, Nova, frankly, Sebastian's numbers last season were better than Nova's. I mean, the season as a whole, his numbers were better than Nova's. And especially those last two months of the year, Sebastian's numbers were better than Nova's. Nova it has been historically completely inconsistent, up and down. I mean, I, I agree. There's, I, there, look, there's a solid chance Nova's a better starting pitcher than CeCe's back here right now. I, I, but I don't think that you can definitively say one way or the other. You know, I mean, it's not... CC showed some signs at the end of last season. I think that because of the contract, the Yankees kind of owed it to themselves to, to take a look at it and see if he can keep this up. Now, if he's pitching poorly at the end of May, then and they're still going with him, then I think we have something more to talk about, you know. But... Right now, I mean, you know, it's a few innings of spring training when Nova definitely pitched better, had much better results anyway than Sabathia. But I just think you look back at really who these two pitchers are and what they've shown the last few years. I, I'm not surprised they went with PC, but I also I don't blame them for balling with PC.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's sort of a uh, not a really a no win situation for the Yankees because when you look at things, I mean, with the way the rotations build, with Tanaka and his elbow concerns, with Pineda and all the injuries he's had, Evaldi had an injury problem, Severino's made eleven career starts, Sabathia had knee issues and then his own personal problems, and now Nova goes to the bullpen where he'll you know be in the sort of the long man role, of play pitching a few innings here and there. But you look at things, and I just feel like maybe he'd be better off in AAA stretched out because. I'd say it's pretty close to 100% chance not all these Yankee starters are going to pitch the entire season. Yeah, I
0: think that's true. And, and I think, you know, look, we know now before Brian Mitchell got hurt, the Angels are planning to open the season with, with now, you know, Nova, Nova, Brian Mitchell and Luis Sessa in their bullpen, which in no way would I have predicted Luis Sessa. I didn't think Sessa was going to make the team three days ago until he was all of a sudden on it, even though they were saying he's in the mix. I wonder if kind of what they were thinking a little bit is if they really think those are the best arms, if somebody does get hurt, you know, you can get a guy stretched out a little bit along the way. You know, if you do really need to go with another starter, especially in the first month or so, you know, you still could go to Nova, even if for the first start, you know, maybe he's limited to three or four innings. If you also have a guy like Sessa in the pen who can also give you two or three yeah, I think you can sort of pack it together for a start or two before a guy stretch out again. I I, I don't I mean, I'm like you, I think that at some point, I mean, with every team, you know, at some point <clears throat> sorry. At some point they're gonna need a six star. The Yankees, it's just a little more certain, you know, I mean you you just see all the injury history and you just know at some point they're gonna to have to go into the depth.
1: I heard, uh, I heard those sirens flying back behind you. So it must be good to be back in New York and not in quiet Florida anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a spring training. I think everybody is always excited for spring training, and I'm usually excited to go down there. But when it ends, um, I'm okay with that. You know, it's it's good. It's good to get back. So I, I was okay with a couple games in Miami.
1: Well, at least you came back at the right time. I mean, it's supposed to get cold again and rain. We got flurries in the forecast, so it's a little different than what you're used to last six weeks in Tampa. (laughs) That's true. Definitely true. <laughs> well, with the bullpen now, Nova heads to the bullpen. CC stays in rotation as expected. Brian Mitchell was supposed to be on the opening day roster and then has that freak injury covering first, so he's gone. Uh, Aroldis Chapman suspended. Andrew Miller's going to pitch with a bro- broken right wrist. Uh, so things that yeah. they were about 72 hours ago in Yankee Lane when it comes to the bullpen aren't as good as they seemed You know, in the offseason when uh, everyone was healthy, Chapman hadn't been suspended yet. But the bullpen, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, is suddenly he's starting to take some hits.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a little um, for, for the thing that's supposed to be, like you say, the, the undisputed strength of the team. It, it, it's a little shaky right now. I mean, I don't think you know exactly what to expect from Andrew Miller with this uh, with this right wrist problem. But, You know, honestly, just logically, you can see why there's there's a thought that he'll be able to pitch with it. But you know, I mean, the guy has he just broke off a chunk of his bone and his wrist. I mean, and he still has to hold a glove on that hand and all this and still be able to go through his normal motion without a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some cause for at least curiosity, you know, to see if he's still going to be able to pitch as well as he can with this going on. Now, Jason Shree looked phenomenal all spring, and, and he was really good for about five months last season. So, I do think he helps sort of bridge that gap for the first 30 days until uh, Earl Chapman comes back. But, Beyond that, I mean, the Yankees have a lot of depth. They have a lot of a lot of bullpen depth. They have a lot of arms that are heading to AAA that, that you look at and think could have a real future in the big leagues, but they don't have much solidified beyond that. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to take a chance on Sessa. You know, they've chosen Johnny Barbato, a guy who has no major league experience to make the opening day bullpen. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a roll of the dice when you get beyond sort of the more established guys at the back end. And, you know, we know... Obviously, you always think of a bullpen as something that's really built on those guys at the end. Whoever's going to kind of face the seventh, eighth, and ninth—that's how we usually label bullpens. But a lot of innings have to go to those other guys. And, and right now, I think the Yankees are still kind of searching for who could fill in that middle gap. You know, who can who can handle you know a, a two-run game when you need somebody to get a couple of big outs in the sixth or to start the sixth. But, you know, they, they start to figure that out, and I think that's a real issue for them, especially with a rotation that doesn't have a lot of guys who go much beyond five or six innings of any given start.
1: I think it's tough with opening day because there's so much hype built around it because the off season's coming to end. It's been six months since baseball and there's you know the one standalone game, and then you have the off day right away. So everyone sort of focuses on opening day, the opening day roster. But you know, as the Yankees showed last year and a little bit the year before, is that they're willing to change this roster daily and with the great and express. And you know, they they sort of have that twenty fourth, twenty fifth spot on the roster seems to be a revolving door. So I feel like while there's a lot to be made of, uh, you know, the season starting and the roster and the bullpen situation, it's it seems like they're going to be willing to go in that direction again, where they'll ship guys out daily if they need someone in a fresh arm.
0: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And I think that's some of why you saw them ultimately go with Juan Torres as the utility guy over, over Rob Refsnyder. I think that I really do believe, even though the sense within the fan base and and understandably a sense to the outside that the Yankees are maybe a little bit down on Refsnyder and don't trust him that much. I, I, they clearly went out of their way this spring to try to find a way to use him in some role, you know, trying to teach him to learn, to learn third base on the fly. Uh, you know, they're trying to – I think they can – maybe they don't trust him right now. They're a little hesitant to give him an everyday job, but I think he's a guy who could have made the opening day roster in a bench role. Same for catcher Gary Sanchez. I mean, he could have been the backup catcher. But I think the Yankees are kind of playing a long game here where they – as you said, they, they know this, this roster is going to change a lot. And, and I think you're going to see that through the year. I think you'll see Russ Snyder at some point. I think you'll see Gary Sanchez at some point. You know, if, if Aaron Judge gets down in AAA and starts to rake uh, and they run into some problems with one of their current outfielders, I think you can see Judge at some point. And they have a ton of guys they can cycle through um, in the bullpen. And, you know, you wonder if last year's first-round pick, James some brilliant. I mean, can he pitch well enough to, to get to the big league this year? I, I think the Yankees have now decided that something that's going to work for them in the short term It's to just be willing and ready to make a lot of moves and a lot of up and down changes just to get fresh arms, to get a fresh pass, to get a guy to play a specific role for two or three games and send him down. I I think they're willing and able to do that, and their system is kind of designed for that right now. They have a lot of fringy players in AAA kind of right on the verge. Maybe not guys who are knocking on an everyday role in the big leagues, but guys who could come up and help in a specific role for a few days and go back down.
1: I feel like the situation with Ref Schneider is so weird because. He was an outfielder that they lost a spot for him there, so he moved to second. Then at second, when the time's right, where you think you know he'd take the next step because only standing in front of him was Steven Drew and Brendan Ryan, they keep him in the minors and just give him a few games in the middle of summer last year, and then he ends up being the starting second baseman for the one-game playoff. Then they go out and get Starling Castro, so now he needs another new position. So he tries out yeah. third, and he has up and downs there, and it just seems like I don't know because you mentioned how it's not necessarily maybe that they don't trust him, but or that he's fallen out of favor. It's just I just don't really understand the Yankees' relationship with Schneider and if their plans for him, if they even have any at this point. But it just seems like uh, at every chance this kid has, you know, whether it's become the second baseman, the third baseman, the bench guy, it's just never worked out, and maybe it never will here. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Sure. There's a chance that
1: it never will, and and I think
0: that look the Yankees are hesitant to to give guys an everyday job in the big leagues. And I think that makes some sense. You know, I mean, they look, they were hesitant to give Greg Gardner an everyday job. I mean, that, that guy had to fight around as a utility or not utility as a platoon guy and a backup for years before they finally started playing him regularly in the outfield. I think that they, I think they tried to transition a little bit more toward trusting young players, but you look back to it. Some of the guys they've passed up over the years. I mean, you're talking about Zola Almonte and David Adams and some guys who just really, you know, just didn't play well enough to, to really earn a big league job. And I don't I don't know that Russ Snyder falls into that category, but I also don't know that Russ Snyder falls in the category of, you know, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. You know, a guy who who you know is going to be successful in the big leagues. I think at some point, Russ Snyder is going to have to take advantage of a smaller opportunity and do enough with it to. To earn his way into everyday playing time, I think he did that extent last year. At the end of the year, you talked about how well he's played late in the season. You know, he got a chance to be on the uh, wild card game in the lineup, starting second base. They clearly began to trust him some, but then at the same time, they they had a chance to get strong Castro. And I don't blame them for making that move. You know, I mean that's a a young talent that they see the upside there, and they wanted to go after it. Now again, it's it's up to opportunities going to have to open, and Restner is going to have to take advantage of it. And I think that's that's the way it happens for most big leaders. You know, I mean, Brett Snyder has gotten a lot of attention, I think, because he's with the Yankees and because he's seen such just the last two years, you know, the, the attempt with Brian Roberts and the attempt with Stephen Drew. I mean, you saw these patchwork things at second base. It didn't work very well. And I think that made Brett Snyder look even more attractive from the outside. But at the same, I mean, I think ultimately he's going to have to go through the same process that, so many other big leaguers have gone through, which is you wait and wait and wait for a door to finally open. And then when it does, you know, he really has to take advantage of it to stick around.
1: And it's weird because, you know, while I'm fully on board with Sterling Castro, I love him as a player. I'm happy they got him. And, you know, we know what we're getting there at second, whereas Ref Shredder is more of a uh, an unknown. But it's weird that they don't trust him at times. You know, they didn't trust him to be an everyday player last year, but then they trust him as the starting second baseman in the most, yeah. important, in the most important game for the franchise in three seasons. And now they don't trust him as a, as a utility guy because of, you know, the play at third base and he's not used to playing there. And I guess my hope at this point is that he goes to the minors, learns third well enough that hopefully the Chase Headley experiment ends at some point.
0: Yeah, and, and I wonder if that's a possibility. I mean, I really think that, again, though, I don't I don't think so what's going to happen, even if that does happen, I don't think it's going to play out as Headley is struggling, Russ Snyder's starting to show some promise in AAA, and then all of a sudden, one day, Russ Snyder's called up to the everyday third base. You know what I mean? I think the way it's going to happen, if it goes that way, is Russ Snyder starts playing well, he comes up, he is in kind of a bench, platoonish role, you know, getting some time at second, getting some time at third. If he starts to hit a little bit more and Headley continues to struggle, then he gradually gets more playing time. You know, I think it's just going to be I – don't, I don't think that for very many players it's, a, it's an on-off switch. You know, you're either part of this or you're not at all. I think it, it has to be a gradual um, performance-based performance based earning it sort of one step at a time. And I think that's kind of, that maybe what you could see with Russ Snyder. He, I think that they, they're sending him to AAA. This sounds strange, but I think mean, they're sending him to AAA because they see, still see potential there, but they also are still not sold that he's a finished product ready to do it right now. I mean, this, this utility role that Torres has now, I mean, he's barely going to play. You know I mean? Especially in the month of April with so many off days, it's hard to see a lot of playing time for him. So, I mean, I think that in some ways you can even see it as a uh, a show of long-term faith in Rob Russ Snyder sitting in the AAA, but short-term, certainly, it seems to be a show of of a lack of faith in, in the here and now.
1: The thing that's kind of devastating is, as a Yankee fan, and you know, the, the future. The people always want the future. They want the next big thing to be on their team, whether you know it's a prospect or some young kid. And and you look at the outfield situation. And Gardner was that at one point for them. You know, he wasn't a top prospect, but he's a homegrown product. Whereas. Ellsbury, they threw $153 million out, which was just absurd and should never happen. And Beltran, I think everyone was sort of on board with it at that point because of the way he had uh, performed the season before, even though his age was getting mm-hmm. up there. But you look at you know some of the guys in the minors, whether it's Slate Heathcott or Mason Williams, and had they not had the injuries they had along the way and just, you know, had a, it had more consistency, uh, you know, which is what they've shown, at least Slade Heathcott has in his call-up with the Yankees. But if those guys, you know, had just a couple of things changed on their path to the majors, Jacoby Ellsbury and Carlos Beltran probably aren't Yankees at this point.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. But I also think that speaks a lot of just the total inability to predict what prospects are going to be. You know, I mean, he just – I mean, so many things have to go right, not only with their development, but with off-the-field issues, with injuries. I mean, Slade so he got, as we've talked about, I mean, as you just said, I mean, he he is incredibly talented. does a lot of things so well. I mean, the injuries are, are a part of it, and, and I think that's too why, when you look at right now, you know, look, they, have, they gave Ellsbury a long-term deal, and then right after that, locked up Gardner to an extension for an organization that has, He's got and Mason Williams and Ben Gamble and potentially Jake Cave coming back and Dustin Fowler coming up. I mean, they're overloaded with left-handed center field on base type guys, and it feels redundant. But at the same, it may not be at all because we don't know if. I Man, I don't know what Mason's going to be like when he comes back from this shoulder thing. I, I don't know whether. Ben Gamble can repeat what he did last year in AAA. I don't know if Slade Eastside can stay healthy. You don't know what Dustin Powell is going to do against upper-level pitching. It, 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 there's just a lot of, it always feels like, oh, gosh, the Yankees have put all these guys in front of their prospects. Well, I mean, to some extent, because you need that most of the time. I mean, the fact is, most of these guys don't work out. And I think you have to be prepared for that.
1: Look at it. I guess, you know, you could say it's hindsight, but I feel like a lot of people are against some of the deals that were made at the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, their number one position of depth was catcher when they signed Brian McCann. And then they trade... You know, Francisco Cervelli. He ends up being, you know, as yeah. good, not power wise, than McCann. And they get rid of Headley for Solarte, who had the same exact season but making thirteen million dollars less. And it just seems like right. while they tried to avoid, you know, having a future Mark share or A Rod or, or CC Sabathia deal, they still they still keep giving them out. Maybe not with as much frequency, but they're still there. And you know, we still have five more years of Jacoby Ellsbury. McCann still has a few years left. Headley has three years left. And it just seems like. They're giving these deals out and not necessarily to the right people.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, look, I think about uh, the the Solarte deal. I mean, gosh, at the time, Solarte came into big league camp, a guy who had no big league time, seemed like a, uh, I mean, he was supposed to be kind of a non-factor, you know, just a guy to go play some infield in AAA. Makes the team, has a great, and, you know, he had a really good, really, like, he was, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think it was like the first month and a half, two months were really, really good. And then he started to fall off quite a bit. And the Yankees were able to flip him and turn that two good months or a month and a half into Chase Headley. And you think, wow, I mean, man, you got to do that every time. <laughs> well, the, now Headley, <laughs> Headley's coming off of a mess of the season. And so, our day, while he doesn't look great, looks basically like the same thing that Chase Headley in his worst season was. So yeah, it, it, it's just hard to predict those things. I mean, at the time when they signed Mark Teixeira, that, that's about as safe of an eight-year deal as you can get. I mean, he's playing a position where he shouldn't have to move off of it. He's had no injury problems in his career. He's been a, just a steady across-the-board hitter, and now he's gone through three years of, uh, of injury and disappointment. I mean, it, it's just it's all of these things that's so hard to uh, to get them exactly right. It's just it, it's, they rarely they rarely work out. I exactly the exact way you think they're going.
1: Well, you mentioned Aaron Judge before and the idea that he could possibly you know, get a call up at some point this season, later in the season. And when you look at him, and I know you're heavy on the minors, he used to cover the minors before getting on the Yankees, and, and you always have, you know, your blogs are always really in depth on what's going on in the, in the farm system. And you look at a guy like Judge, and with Beltran's contract expiring, I know Judge still has to prove himself at some of the upper levels of the minor leagues. But I mean, is this a transition that everyone should expect to see if not, you know, if Beltran gets hurt this season, if not this season, then definitely next season? season? Uh, I think it's a transition that everyone should know could happen. You know, I mean, I, I think Judge
0: still obviously had something to prove in AAA. Um, but I, I think if you look at some of the things he did last year, you know, the sheriff got hurt and they didn't make, uh, there's no reaction to it. It was just Greg Bird. It's not your everyday first base. When Kobe Oliver got hurt in May, they didn't go out and trade for a guy. They knew it was going to be a deal that would take a couple of months. They didn't go out and trade for a guy. They didn't make a big signing. It was just Slade Eastcott, Mason Williams, Ramon Flores. They legitimately gave those guys a chance to play regularly. At the trade deadline, rather than give up a bunch of guys for a starting pitcher, they just brought up Lee Severino, and you're our guy. You're, you're, that's the rotation upgrade. So I think if if Aaron Judge performs this year, I, I think the Yankees are in are in a mode now of of really being willing to give him a chance. I mean, I, I I don't know if you can go into it and say, oh, I fully expect that he's going to be the starting right fielder opening day 2017. But I think that it's a – I don't think it's pie in the sky. I don't think that it's a just total wishful thinking. I think that he's talented enough to perform at that level, at a level that makes that a smart move. And I think the Yankees are in a place now where they're really willing to give that a shot.
1: Well, when you look at first base and the devastating injury to Greg Bird that keeps him out this season, it seems sort of like a perfect match now that to share. you know, no matter what he does this year, if he does poorly, I feel like the Yankees will try to bring him back on a one-year deal. If he does well, maybe another team's willing to give him two or three years. But it seems like they're going to probably, or at least at this point, look to get him or, or some veteran, uh, you know, to to come in at first because Bird will have missed a full year. He will only have, you know, the limited time in the majors, and, and maybe they won't be as ready to give him the the, the starting role at first for the future, as they would have been had he been healthy this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the uh, the, the injury. I mean, there there are or not the Tashera injury. I'm sorry, the Bird injury. There are obviously short term implications for that, but I think it's far more interesting to see what that what that means for 2017. I mean, they, they were that was that was lined up perfectly. You know, I mean, there there was obviously some frustration and disappointment that Bird didn't necessarily have a spot. On this year's big league roster, but you knew he was going to end up getting some at bats this year, and it just—it was going to be such a nice, easy, smooth transition to trust him with the job in 2017. And yeah, I, I do think it puts him in a strange spot with Share. I mean, I think to Share, you know, he talked to this this winter or this spring about wanting to play till he's 40. I mean, that tells you he wants to come back. and He wants to play, and he still lives in Connecticut. I mean, I, I think that. It's a guy who you could, you know, now. I mean, do you give him a qualifying offer? I I don't know. I mean, it's. I I don't know how much. I don't know how much he's going to be worth at the end of this season. I don't know. You know, do you really want to lock into another big time commitment? You know, to share is going to take a two three year deal. Do you lock into that, knowing that you still have Bird waiting and you still have Alex for at least one more year clogging DH? It 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 puts them in a strange spot because I I agree they're going to want someone more reliable at first base. If Bird really does miss the entire year, then, uh, and, and to share if he has another season of 30, 35 home runs, I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty tempting.
1: I feel like it's almost a, a sigh of relief for share that the bird injury happened. And certainly, no one wants someone to get injured or have to miss time, and, and especially not a teammate. But when it comes to share, I mean, he's had a, a pretty horrible spring. He's been a slow starter his entire career, especially with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times does he have? You know, just a couple home runs at the end of April, hitting like a buck fifty. And if that had happened this year, with the way Bird finished last year, I mean, the the calls for Bird to to overtake right, yeah. share that's would have started early. Oh
0: yeah, there's there's no question, and, and and so I mean in that way I think you're probably right. It, it does take a little bit of the uh, of the immediate pressure off of him, but I don't know that I think mean, the Yankees would have made it very clear to him that the pressure wasn't really on. You know, I mean I think they would have they've seen this from Teixeira enough that they would have given him the time to uh, to perform and, and earn his spot. But it, you know, it, it's still a uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a question for the short term. They've got to figure out what they have from him, how productive can he be, and they only have another option. I mean, Chris Conley's waiting in AAA, but, but he's not going to be the answer.
1: No. Well, this lineup, uh, the way things constructed, it seems like against right-handed pitching, it's going to go Ellsbury-Gardner once again at the top of the order, and I think that's a scary thing because, to me, those are the two streakiest hitters in all of baseball, and it seems like their streaks, both cold and hot, come at the same time, and when they're cold you know, it's, you've never seen cold like this before. And I think that's that's just, it's a frightening thing because then there's no one, absolutely no one on base for the heart of the order, which, you know, has its own concerns about age and health. But I don't know. I just feel like Castro should always be in the two-hole, whether it's a righty or a lefty. I know Girardi's not going to do that because he's so adamant on right-handed, left-handed matchups. But I just feel like we've seen what Ellsbury Gardner do at the top of the order over two years, and it, it makes more sense to break them up.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I still think that, your best-case scenario is those two performing well. I mean, what they did in the beginning of last season, before before Ellsbury got hurt and obviously before Gardner had his sort of atrocious last two months of the season, it was really good. I mean, you had Ellsbury getting on base at a, you know, 400 on base percentage. Gardner obviously was an all-star in the first half. I mean, I still think the upside there is really significant. Um, so I, I still think that's worth going with at least early. Castro, I think, looks promising, but man, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to overstate just how bad he was for most of last <laughs> season. You know I mean? Really, I mean, his overall, even with that strong finish, his overall numbers last year are still worse than Chase Headley. And I mean, that's I mean, that's a that's a bad season to try to put up in the number two spot. I think, especially against some lefties, you may see Castro move up. But I I think I'm I understand the desire to do it. Especially the way Castro looked this spring, I mean he looked incredible, but I still think that the I think like it makes sense to at least start the year going with Gardner and El Azure one two and let Castro kind of earn his way up.
1: Well last year, no one knew what to expect from a I going into the season. No one knew if he would be good, any good, even be able to hit major league pitching anymore and he had an, an, an exciting and pretty awesome year. Beltran, who started miserably and then got hot and really became the team's best hitter, uh, you know, in the second half of the season, going into the one-game playoff. But I don't know. I don't even know what to say or think about that middle of the order with Beltran, McCann, A. Rod, and Teixeira because no one knows what to expect. No one knows how many games they're going to give you, how healthy the four of them will be, the type of power and production they'll give you. So it just seems like it's a complete roll of the dice with what the Yankees are going to get from three to six.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was actually writing about this today that. This, the Yankees. If you look at the last two off seasons, they're clearly a team trying to transition. You know, they're they're going after young, cost-controlled guy. It's, it's there's a new, real, concentrated effort to to get younger, to give younger guys an opportunity, to uh, to to bring in sort of you know guys you don't have to give a huge contract to right now. You know, maybe take some buy low opportunities and see them do it over and over and over again. They've done that for two years, yet this season the lineup is still going to be built around success or failure of the lineup is going to hinge on Alex and Teixeira and Carlos Beltran and Brian McCann. I mean, that, that, you just can't go anywhere without those four guys right now. I mean, maybe this is kind of the, the last gasp of that model of Yankees roster building, but it, it's still unavoidable. I mean, this season that's, they have to get something out of those four guys. And, uh, and I, I think you're right. I mean, all of them show, Significant cause for uh, for encouragement last year. I mean, Alex, I think, was far better than anyone expected. Uh, I mean, Teixeira, if he wasn't, if he didn't get hurt, he wouldn't have been. He would not have been the MVP, but he would have been. He would have finished top ten probably in the MVP building. I mean, he was. He drilled in runs. He was as good of a run producer as there was. But Beltran, after that horrible month of April, he was as consistent here as he had. I mean, there's, There were good things last year, but still, you know. I mean, it's a thirty-nine-year-old Alex is about to turn forty-one. Teixeira is about to turn thirty-six and has had his his series of injury troubles. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like the rotation. You can see very easily how it could be good. You can see how they could be productive and helpful, and you could also see how it could all go completely wrong.
1: Well. you make a great point there and how you could see how it could be good and also horrible. And I think when we've been doing this, you know, preseason opening day podcast the last few years, and you look at the last three seasons and out of those three seasons, we've gotten one game playoff out of the three of them when it comes to the post season. And granted, had it been the old format, the Yankees would have been in the ALDS last year. Uh, but in this day and age with the two wild cards and the five team playoff format, you, you really have to be horrible to not stay in the mix, at least until September. And I think the Yankees have sort of built that team again where they'll hover and be in the race, both, you know, division, but mainly wildcard, at least till the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that you've seen – I think that they're doing – as we talked about, this is what a rebuild looks like when you're a team like the Yankees. I mean, they're 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 obviously doing something different, and they're trying to acquire this young talent, and they're not giving up some of their prospects, you know, the trade deadline that kept everyone instead of trying to make a big push. Um, I think they are trying to move towards something different, but they're still so tied to the current pieces that are in place that they kind of had no choice but to continue to roll, to roll the dice with those guys as well and, you know, still be in it, still try to win, but still try to build something more sustainable for the future as well. So I, I think that's going to be why we've seen the past few years, as you say, essentially the same team. I mean, it, even though some of the names have changed, the general idea of the team is the same. I mean, it's a team that if everything kind of goes exactly right and some of these older players stay healthy and stay productive, then they're going to be a good team. But you can also very easily see how to go wrong. I mean, last year, this is, uh, Brian Cashman said this just the other day that in his mind last year's team was better than the way it performed at the end. I mean, and you saw it. I mean, for most of the year, that was, that was a first place team that, you know, when Teixeira was healthy and the, uh, and, you know, when the Severino came out and was pitching well, I mean, you could see if they put all those pieces together, that was a team that had a chance to make a run at the playoffs. And not a run at the playoffs, a run at the World Series. But people broke down and, you know, Baldy got hurt late and Sherrod broke his leg on a fluke thing and the top two guys in the order completely disappeared. And it just, you know, if, if one thing after another starts to go wrong, this team can go from a really good, legitimate contender to a team that, I mean... You know, there was, I don't think there was any way to feel good about them going into that wild card game. I mean, they just—you knew they were going to have trouble with Dallas Keuchel. You knew that the lineup didn't have that in them. And Tanaka, you know, you felt like, well, this is your best chance. But you know, it's not like you are going to be surprised if Tanaka had just kind of a so-so game. They—they, they, there were times last year when they looked like a real—it's like they had a legitimate shot at it. But it, it was also—it's pretty easy for that whole thing to fall apart, and and that was the team you were left with at the end of the year.
1: Well, for this season, uh, you look at predictions, and and it seems like a lot of people like Boston across the board, even with their last place finish, and just really adding a number one and a closer. And a lot of people like them last year, and they finished in last. A lot of people like Seattle and Miami, and, and really predictions don't mean anything, and things could change, and things could change mm-hmm. in the first week if uh, you know a couple uh, Tommy Johns are ordered. But uh, what do you like for this Yankees team this season? Yeah,
0: I, mean, it's, it, I mean, it's the same thing we were just talking about. I mean, I think that. I think you can easily see how it could work. I thought Severino looked great this spring. I thought he was really impressive. I think that you could get. I think I Severino, Severino, Taneda, Evaldi can really be a, an important group of three starters. It's just are those the guys who are going to have to carry the rotation, or are they going to be a, this really powerful thing to fall in line behind Tanaka? You know, is Tanaka going to be healthy enough? Is he going to be good enough? I mean, is he is he really a guy who can head the staff and and make it a really strong rotation, not just a rotation that has some depth at 2-3-4, but a rotation that really has some some power at the top of it as well. And, and again, same thing in the lineup. I mean, I think Didi Gregorius now looks like a really smart, great pickup for them. I think he's a really nice shortstop, but he's not the guy who's going to carry a lineup. I think Starlin Castro, again, I think that was a good pickup for them. I think he's going to be a productive hitter. But I'm not sold on the idea that he's necessarily the number two hitter, and certainly not like a number three, four, five hitter. And you know, I mean, do they have they have these nice pieces in place? And obviously, the bullpen is a strength. But you have to be winning a game for a bullpen to win to mean anything. So there are pieces in place. I think mean, they've done some a good job fitting in and getting some good some good pieces around the edges. But it's just you know, if the top of the order going to be or Elsberry and Gardner going to be. Good or are they just kind of and eh, kind of guys who really or maybe should be more like seven eight hitters? Is the middle of the order can they actually stay productive and durable and healthy throughout the year? And and can that rotation stay healthy? And I mean those are just such wild card factors. I mean I think they've done it. I do I like the sort of the the fringy moves they've made. I think Hicks is good. I think that the idea of now you know maybe transitioning to another set of young catchers as a backup with Sanchez at some point. I think that was smart. I think it all makes sense. It's just, for now, they still got to lean on some really unpredictable pieces.
1: All right, Chad. Well, thanks for taking the time to come on. Welcome back to the uh, cold Northeast, and hopefully the rain and the flurries stay awake this week for opening week. Yeah, I hope so. All right, thanks again. All right, man, you got it.